right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike, your sailor, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. Are you happy with that, Brian? Not at all. I feel like you've been you've been nailing them, but you've been self-critical a little too much. No, I'm not. Do you want to do another one? No, of course not. I have okay. to live with it. You're one take, Brian. That's how yeah. you're known on the streets. One take, Snake. Um, um, Brian. Nets Daily. Nets Daily, Almighty Baller. iTunes ratings. Five of them? We need them. <laughs> we want them. We, want five. we just want five ratings. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Can you guys all organize yeah. out there in Glue Nation, Glue Nation and uh, please only give us five ratings. Mike, how about that All-Star Weekend, dog? Dude, people are still buzzing about it. I <laughs> completely checked out. I saw the Spencer Dinwiddie highlights of the skills thing, and that was it for me. I was like, great, I did it. It's a very Netflix view of the All-Star Weekend. Any of the dunk contest did not watch any of the... So you have to tell me everything. I d- oh, wait, I did watch uh, Fergie's... Um, that's Anthem. actually the only thing besides Spencer Dinwiddie that mattered. I was What's just your thinking, take on Fergie's? Here's what I, whenever I see something like that, I just think of the meeting beforehand, like, you know, a couple weeks in advance, <laughs> like, let's get Fergie to do the anthem. She comes in and she's like, guys, I want to do it a little different. And, and nobody is in the position to say no to anything because well like who's in that meeting yeah. is it just fergie's people is it, it nba is, representatives yeah it's it's both it's both of them and you know these are people pepsi's probably in there pepsi's like, in there hey, fergie yeah it was right and and fergie's like i have a vision for like a lounge a lounge jazz bar i love it that's her so like she's come out with a statement saying i guess she was trying to do a different rendition and that's her idea of bluesy lounge yeah is like just stopping in the middle of the song and then saying a bunch of words quickly and then stopping again um it was good dude it was tight i liked it <laughs> that, um, that's the take that no one's had before yeah. <laughs> about that i like it. it was like Jimi hendrix you know you know just reinventing a, a, a classic <laughs> please yeah. i i had a couple of different ideas i was trying to be charitable to ferg dj fergie ferg i thought maybe one it was a protest that she was deciding wow, to really sing it reading between the lines that was my first idea because i'm such in a political mindset that i thought maybe she's making this political statement to sing poorly as a representation of who the wow. president is right now and at least in her mind that's why she sang it so poorly. mike sees the subtext he sees the writing on the wall everywhere there was a we were talking yesterday about the michael rapaport barstool fiasco and you had the hottest take the best take i think it's the correct take that it's ultimately will be the correct take that'll the end in one of their like boxing things that they do yeah so i don't know how many of our listeners cross pollinate over to barstool but barstool do sort of like a they they bought a amateur boxing league based in west virginia yeah and they to build it up they put two people two employees against each other and they build it up and build up tension and then they have a boxing match and the night of the boxing match the most recent one is when michael rapport went off about people who are fans of barstool and then Mm. he went off about other people within barstool and he allegedly got fired and then they're making such a big deal out of it they this is leading it's so smart because like really it's like it it makes so much sense if you think about it from this. It's also, I gotta tell you, this this backyard boxing stuff is so lowbrow. It's real now. <laughs> it's really to it. It's pretty like it's just like really helpless people fight for how much of it? Probably hundreds of dollars to like you know risk life and limb to like punch out a, another totally unfit. No, but I'm not above it. Like I, I would. I, I guess I'm not. If we got a bunch of like our friends together, like Raja and Shataz, want to go fight each other in a boxing, would you not watch it and drink a bunch of beer? Our With friends, um, Raja and Shataz. I guess I would. 
I don't know. I just like where does it end? Where does it end? It ends. I was saying it ends in a barge twelve miles out into the ocean for like dog fights or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where it's ending. Because um, th- this now is becoming the norm. Yeah. Um, Fergie, so Fergie national anthem. That was we checked that box off. Yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie skills competition. I will say, it <laughs> as much as you can extrapolate from a skills competition. Spencer, if you watched it, Spencer's three pointers were clutch. He made them when either he was behind and had to make a one single shot or when he was ahead mm-hmm. and the guy finally then steps up to the three point line and then Spencer hit the three point shot. I mean, it was exciting. It was thrilling to see mm, that wow. the Black Nets jersey yeah. there prominently featured during All Star weekend. I do think people's tweets got a, a little out of hand. Uh oh. <laughs> I won't name names. Oh really? Some people are some people are saying, Oh, maybe Spencer will be an all star. Uh, next year, maybe he'll be playing in the game as opposed to in a skills competition. Maybe he will. Who are you to say? <laughs> I don't Hater. know. I don't think so. Hate ass. Uh, John Wall was barely an all star. And oh, our boy- I see. I see. <laughs> our voice I see what's going on here. I, I was gonna. T- so I was. I didn't. Do, you'll probably. This, so I'm. I'm so like instant gratification. I was gonna text Spencer and say, "Hey, man, you want to talk about your all star weekend on the pod?" Mm-hmm. But I thought better of it. I don't want to. I mean, what's it's too he, much? It's too much. What's he gonna say? That he's he's happy. You want to stir the pot with him and Laurie Markinen. 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 What what do you think of? I haven't watched of enough him? of him. I, bet I saw his stats the other day. I was like, wow, this guy might be might be decent. I mean, I haven't watched two Bulls games this year probably, so I don't no. know anything about it. But the Bulls are such an interesting. I mean, they have the, the Chris Dunn's the, the situation that he's like suddenly a good player again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the year when the biggest year in my memory of guys who we thought were bad. Probably it's because of the internet culture, right? If we're going to be ser- like. We kill guys immediately. Mm. If they're not good in 20 games, the, yeah. they, they should be banished off into Siberia. Mm-hmm. And I think we're realizing that, oh, maybe we should just sort of like let guys develop. Like Markel Fultz has been just just basically like the, the worst first overall pick of all time. But next year he could play and he could be well, he's hurt. little baby James Harden. He's hurt. We just don't know. And we'll say it's very weird, though. The thing that they may shut him down for the whole year because he has to learn how to shoot again. That's mm. that's a bad phrase to say about a player who's a lot, lot going on there. A lot going on. Um, the rest of the All Star Weekend. Did you watch it? You watched? I didn't watch any of the game. I never do. It's not something I consume. It makes me feel bad. I, I would say not only am I, it's, it's, I'm not neutral. I'm I'm opposed to it almost. I would say it makes me just feel like, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like it's this vanity game that's like really just sort of like saddens me. You know, it's I can't describe it, but it's sort of like. It's like watching sort of the rough and rowdy boxing. It's like you're you're you're, you're <laughs> sure. watching something you know isn't good for you mm-hmm. that isn't pure. It's just sort of dunks and mm. the defense. Mm. Didn't watch that. Um, I watched the entire skills competition night. So I watched the Spencer did when he win. I watched the three point competition. Who was, who won that? I don't even remember anymore. Wow, Jesus! Uh, and you the don't have to lie and say that you watched it if you didn't. That's no, I did. And that and the only person I didn't see was Bradley Beal, my guy. Mm. I just missed him. Um, who won that competition? Don't even know. Doesn't matter. Wow. But then I saw the dunk competition. The, the only thing to come out of that was that um, you know Victor Oladipo attached himself to the Black Panther phenomenon and put on the Black Panther mask given to him by Chadwick Boseman, who plays Black Panther, and then he couldn't even finish the dunk, which oh, was embarrassing, brutal. Because if you're going to do that, if you're going to add all that pageantry, you got to. This movie is a pretty important movie. And that you're going to then use it for your dunk purposes. You got to nail the dunk. And he didn't nail the dunk. Um, this is a weird class. Like, who wants to see Victor Oladipo dunk? I don't. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. had the best dunk of the night, but he didn't win. He did, uh, like, the 
thrown off the glass. He then caught it again and tapped it back on the glass. He threw it back off the glass, caught it again, and then dunked it. Pretty impressive. Um, my th- Okay, so everyone has this, technical. right? It was a technical dunk. I feel like we do this every time. We have an all-star game. We don't like it. Then we talk about what can make it better. Is there anything that makes the weekend better? Or are we just are we just accepting for the fact that we're not going to care about all-star games ever again? I think I think we're in a place where we're just not ever going to care about them, right? Because mm-hmm. w- what do they matter? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, can you shut that little thing there? I'm getting blessed with the cold. Is that okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that, oh, oh yeah, that's probably bad for our background vocals. Anyways, closing my uh, my sliding glass oh, door. That's, that's so much better. In my palatial Chelsea estate. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the only like fixes I could do, and I sort of teased this out last time, was I think they should move skills competition to Sunday, move the game to Saturday. The energy is way better in the building on Sunday or for the skills competition than it is for the game. The game, it's weird. It's that weird sort of Lakers-Knicks vibe where the game doesn't matter. You know when the Lakers and Knicks are bad? Mm-hmm. There's just celebrities there and there's a buzz right. in the crowd kind of for <laughs> right. that. But no one cares about what's happening on the court. They're just happy to be there. Yeah. Every All-Star game is a bad Lakers game. Yeah. Yeah. The I didn't see the Black Panther thing, obviously. But the, the intersection of like marketing and... Um, and that kind of stuff, it's it's hard to overlook, you know. And I kind of that's what yeah, I actually I mean, like. You know, you're, you're, you're a believer I, in the three M's. So. Yeah, <laughs> marketing, marketing, marketing. Hashtag. Yeah. Um, we hashtag after the fact. Um, <laughs> no, and I think you. So I think you move skills to Sunday, and I think you just make the All Star game like a a four on four tournament. Hmm. Not even a tournament. You just have like a round robin thing where you just want to watch the big three that weekend. You're just like, let's have a big three weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basically turn it into a big three weekend. <laughs> Because because at that point, so if you make it like a four and four, three on three, a five on five, whatever you want to do, you play to 11. That's that's the games. They just go quickly. You're seeing the guys you want to see on court. You can actually kind of plan it out and be like, you know, coming up at 835, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and Steph Curry will play against Kevin Durant, Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler. And then be like, okay, I want to see those people play against each other in a weird format. And mm. the game is is happening. You think of like a white man can't jump like two on two tournament or something like the best two players from every team or something. No, not even that. Ooh. But just like you just take that all star pool, you do a draft. You give instead of having two captains, you have five captains. The five captains pick whatever amount of teams it would fill out, and then you just do a round that's robin. That's I'm telling you, that's what they should do. Two best players from every team, then you get to like you know, Th- then it's and then NBA jam style, and it, and it actually means something in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the All-Star Weekend. Um, nice hot takes, Mike. It's the news! Alright, go, go. Alright, news are on leak here. Yeah, um, we got some then, hot, hot issues today. And, and then coming up oh. after this, Brian Lewis from the New York Post is going to join us very soon. But first, news are on the leak. Brian, there was some news coming out of All-Star Weekend that I think you know we could touch on a little bit. Uh, Adam Silver floated out the idea, and he doesn't float out ideas unless if he actually is considering this, of changing the playoff format, of taking instead of Eastern Conference, Western Conference, put them each in different tubes, and then whoever comes out of each tube, they face the finals. No, it would be reordered, and you would have eight teams from the East, eight teams from the West, and you would rank them in terms of record, one through 16, like that. He floated that out as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Does that make basketball better, more compelling than the NBA playoffs? I don't know. I don't know that it does, honestly. Well, I'm thinking like I how, agree with you. How yeah. how basketball sort of evolves, right? So I think that the way that like if you like let's say baseball, for example, you know, 
you play most of your games divisionally, and then you sort of like you'll have occasional interleague. Like game. the Yankees will play the Rockies three times. If you did that with basketball, you would create these little archipelagos of different kinds of basketball, right? You're, is, is Brian Lewis calling? Was no. Uh, these different archipelagos of basketball, right? Like you would have you your archipelagos, 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 <laughs> archipelagos. Um, so those archipelagos are are like you know you could have like a, a division that's you know zigging and zagging in different directions, right? Right. Well, what I don't like to see is that if we just kind of clear out the divisional thing, and then you just have this real homogenization of of basketball. Um, in in theory, you know, it's like you know, evolution. It needs these islands in order to you know foster different kinds of animals, all that different you know s- species diversity. Absolutely. Without those islands, it's all just going to be one same. It's going to be meatloaf, kimono dragon. You yeah. Know? Instead of a beautiful dish with mo- it's a, instead of a salad, it's a meatloaf. So I mean, that's <laughs> that's all pretty like theoretical, yes. obviously. But that's sort of my like that's I, I just like the idea of divisional basketball or divisional sports in general. Better than a kind of broad general well, thing. Guess, That's I, just me personally. I guess my thing is that so there is an understanding that yes, the first round of the playoffs isn't that compelling. The series we end up caring about in the first round of the playoffs are the four or five matchups. This would not change that. One versus sixteen versus one v eight, one v eight on either side of the conferences. It's not gonna change. Um how often, how big of a problem is it that the East faced the West in the finals? I think if you just look back in the recent years, Cleveland and Golden State were the two best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And you can make a case for the Rockets one year, or maybe the Clippers or the Spurs. But we've had pretty compelling finals for the past decade. You know, there really hasn't been one finals that was a joke, um, at least for, as far as I can remember. Right. All mm-hmm. of them have had some sort of drama in it. Um I like this from, you know, I would amend this idea from the 1 through 16 a little bit. I would make the first round a straight East, you know, Eastern Conference plays the Eastern Conference, Western plays the Western Conference. Maybe after that, when you knock out eight teams and then it's the final 16 teams, maybe you reseed. That way they, they don't do the big travel across the country for all, all, the, all the series. And you do keep some kind of conference rivalries. The problem with basketball is that, like, Baseball, we have rivalries. Rivalries clearly exist. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, the teams in the AL Central all hate each other or whatever we want to say. Yeah. Basketball rivalries are just completely like we're supposed to believe that the Lakers and Celtics are a rivalry. Our lifetime that we don't care about that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that the way that they do that, obviously, is Celtics. I mean, sorry, uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees are in the same division. They play each other yes. more than everybody else, and that's how you like. So the and, and people are looking for ways to make the regular season more interesting too. I think if you make those divisional games, I don't know, <clears throat> eight eight of your regular season games per per division team or whatever instead of four, and then like you you know you cycle out. You know, you may not play a, a, a team in a given year. Like I haven't done the math, obviously, but right, you know, right. Um, but if you're looking to make these things more interesting, like yeah, like you can get obviously you, you'll get the 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 person that is the best will win in that format like that is the like yes and, but you have to like wager whether that's the most interesting version of basketball like you're 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 playing with something like that's like entertainment value is it the most entertaining thing to like suss out verifiably the best team or is it like some adding a little bit of random chance in there like the best matchup for that team you know and you create these different matchups by playing different kinds of basketball and you can't do that if you're all just this you know big mass of of teams that have no like real 
scheduling advantage over one another and so on and so forth. And I think if they re-ranked the teams, if they did the 1 through 16 as opposed to conferences, it would be exciting for that first year, maybe the second year. Because you would be seeing like Portland play Detroit randomly or LeBron would have to face... I don't know, the Pelicans, just a random sort of mix match, sort of the way this All-Star game worked. What was interesting about this All-Star game was that you had teammates going against each other for the first time, or at least mm-hmm. first time that we know, um, where if you do that the first year, the second year will be interesting. But again, what you're losing, and I think this is important, is that sort of every year, let's say the Nets get back in the playoffs, every year they somehow end up, remember when they played like the Heat or Toronto or you know, that Toronto series that they had, you know, whatever years ago as it was, still matters. Mm-hmm. And those ri- that rivalry or that moment still exists within the fabric of a fan base. You'll have less of those sort of consistent memories of facing these teams in the playoffs if you just go one through 16. If you go back to if you keep the conferences, you're going to have more um, when LeBron was coming up playing the playing with the Cavaliers his first time. He had to go through the Celtics, and that was the thing he he knew he had to do. And when he did beat the Celtics, it was a big, momentous thing. If you go to 116, there isn't that anymore. That doesn't really exist. That 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 uh, guardian of the future, the guy, the team that blocks a, a rising star from moving to the next level, that will just go away, and every yeah. year will be kind of different. It won't be bad. Neither of these are bad. The par- the parity vacuum, like honestly, is not is not anything to do with. Um, I mean, it's mostly to do with conferences. I, I I'm guessing, but it mostly has to do with with what we were talking about previously in a previous episode about cap space. I mean, honestly, like if we if we adjust, like this isn't this isn't just happening in a vacuum, right? Like the parity issue is that like only two teams from each each conference are actually considered a viable threat to yes. win a championship and they want to move away from that and this is a step towards more of that i would say like per, like or i guess not like on a camp conference basis but it doesn't make anything more equitable across the league uh and they need to solve that problem that's the big problem they want to solve you want to have a, any team that makes the playoffs you want to have a a somewhat just maybe not even a real a fantastical chance at having a run and winning a championship that's not at all the case. <laughs> Sorry, I got. Uh, that's not at all the case right now. Like, there's just no chance for an eight seed to like have a path to the finals. Yes. Um. So, and you do that by by adjusting this cap space stuff, not to the player, but to the team. That's my opinion. That's how I see this thing cracking out. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Mm-hmm. Instead of having whatever thirty five million dollar per year cap on the players, have a hundred fifty million whatever it is cap on the team, and then you can right play. You know, players exorbitant amounts. You could pay LeBron the whole thing and do minimums, or you and have do... me and you play, you know, wing with him. Which Mike, he would yeah. be lucky to have us. I yes, think. to be honest, um, I'm fully healthy, fresh legs. Um, also, another so this also kind of came out. This was pre All Star Weekend, but carried throughout, especially in the moment we're having. Uh, Laura Ingram from Fox News mm. waded into it with LeBron and Kevin Durant. Quick catch up, uh, LeBron and KD. Did an uninterrupted video where they, you know, said the president was a bad coach and that he doesn't care about people. And Laura Ingram from Fox News then came out and said, just go dribble a basketball. Uh, that we shouldn't be taking political advice from guys who make money because they dribble a basketball. Now, obviously, the, the people that cover the NBA, the people that like the NBA are not going to uh, appreciate remarks from a Fox News host. I think that's mm-hmm. basic to say. I think what she said, though, the next night. Was so she she's been called, um, you know, racist and having vile remarks for the dribble the basketball remarks. 
by some by people in the NBA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what she said the next night on so she said that on Thursday's show, the shut up and dribble. On Friday's episode, she said to LeBron James about asking him to come on the show, which is a genius move to mm-hmm. to challenge him to be on the show because if she gets him on the show, that's yeah. a win for her no matter right. what you say. She says, if you want to be a political pundit, you're coming on my court. Very, very funny. Uh, she said uh, <laughs> if she would welcome a conversation about black unemployment, inner city violence and school choice. Um, but Mr. James's comments about Mr. Trump were a drive by hit. What I find is interesting about that mm. is that she feels like LeBron James <clears throat> has to answer for inner city violence. Mm. Why is that his responsibility? Because uh, what she 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 is saying essentially is that he he by being um, I don't know from Akron has some responsibility to answer for violence in inner cities. That's not th- that has nothing to do with what he is saying. LeBron James said in his uninterrupted video, she is just glomming that onto him. Yeah, and making a generalization if that can, is kind of if I can not, parse. Parse the earlier statement. He's talking about management skills. He understands management skills. He's he you know works at the highest end of management skills. Yes. So, some might even call him a player coach of a, of a kind. A player GM. Yeah. Yeah. A player GM. Um. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's it's your it's a bit of a straw man as they say in the biz. Um. I saw Black Panther this weekend. By the way, Brian. Did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Um. It's interesting. There. So if you, um. <laughs> There's a famous vine that, like, during the vine culture, when we had vine and we liked vines, there's a famous vine, one of the most famous vines that is used as a joke in this movie, which is phenomenal. It's one of the funniest parts of any Marvel movie I've seen. Um, this movie does more for, like, that that pushing, like, creating a world than any of the other Marvel movies. And it's, like, just a, a wild, awesome ride. It's, like, <laughs> wow. part James Bond, part, like sci-fi there's like a lot of sci-fi alien tech in it by the way this is a good time to thank our sponsors at marvel uh (laughs) yeah just just kidding i'm glad they they reached out and finally paid us that check um it was it was a wild ride it's well well worth it i don't think they need like our boost but like it's well i'm gonna i'm gonna probably try to see it but you know probably won't probably not right it's just it'll pop up on that. It's going to pop up on Netflix via the contract they have, I think, right now. So it's just hilariously consistent. This five years thing. Like, What's fi- that? I just see everything five years after the fact. It's just always late. Well, I finally watched Hidden Figures on a bus ride coming up. And like that was like I was like, oh, yeah, probably should have yeah. probably should have watched that while the I conversation was going is. on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. <laughs> um, all right. Coming up next, we're going to have Brian Lewis on from the New York Post. Cool. Another word from our sponsors? Yeah, let's give them another shout out. Great. So you're just at the uh, Kenny Atkinson press conference, yeah? Yeah, we just finished with him. How's he doing these days? <laughs> he's doing fine. Hopefully he's recharged a little bit. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. break will do him. What are you guys talking about over there? Uh, a litany of things. You know, they, they kind of keep things a little close to the chest and unfortunately they hadn't talked to um he hadn't talked to the performance team mm-hmm. uh so i couldn't get any firm answers on uh on ronde or Karras. whether they're coming back this week yeah mm-hmm. and but, I, saw- uh, I mean they both stayed around um he said voluntarily over the all-star break to do their rehab hmm. so i saw that i think you tweeted out that 
Kenny may play with his rotations a little bit after the seven-game skid. What what did you hear about that? What did he have to say? Well, I mean, he just pointed out, as he kind of alluded to before they went on break, that everything is on the table. I mean, when you're in this kind of a funk, um, nothing can kind of be written in stone. So it doesn't necessarily mean a lineup change, although it could. But, I mean, it could also go into the actual rotations, when guys are coming in, when guys are going out. Uh, Maybe somebody's minutes getting cut back. Maybe somebody else's minutes getting expanded. Um, Of course, Kenny wouldn't go into detail on it. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if Dante Cunningham ends up with a few more minutes. That's, of course, assuming that Rondé's not playing. What about... um... I mean, if the... Sorry, I saw, I saw you wrote an article about Okafor recently. Is, is Are we thinking that he's going to get more minutes, or are we going to end up with offering Okafor a contract next year? Like, what What is going to be the future of this guy? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. If I had to guess right now, I it wouldn't shock me if they offer Okafor a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the funny part is when they traded for Okafor, everybody was worried because they said, oh, wow, well, if he plays well, the Nets can't offer him more than six million dollars. Right. Maybe he'll he'll blow up and get outbid, and then he'll go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the worry. Right yeah, now. yeah. We I remember when we first the, when the Nets first made the trade, like the immediate reaction from people that listen to us were that was the worry. Yeah. That like, so we got a twenty and ten guy now. So yeah. Now, so <laughs> so what keep... what happens if he becomes a max player immediately by being Kenny Atkinson's system? I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I do wonder if they have an appetite for bringing him back or whether, because Jared Allen has risen to such a level that it's almost like, all right, how many guys could you be working on developing at, at that certain position if Jared Allen so obviously seems like the guy who has the most talent and he's a, you know, he's a Marks guy. He was drafted by Marks. I wonder what's their appetite going to be to have another big man in here to be developing and to sign up give that amount much amount of care to well i don't i think for one i think player development is kind of it's certainly in kenny's dna mm-hmm. and it's certainly on marx's agenda so it wouldn't i don't think you could look at jaleel okafor as what bill parcells would have called a progress stopper mm-hmm. uh, i think tyler zeller could have been viewed as a progress stopper. Right. And this is nothing against Tyler Zeller, because I think he did a fine job considering what he was. I mean, you're talking about a league minimum contract, and he comes in here and plays more than you could have anticipated. But I don't think they have a problem bringing Okafor back because simply because of the development that Jared Allen's already shown. Um, I think it depends on a lot of figures. It depends on largely what kind of numbers you're looking at. And I think the numbers that you're looking at now are a fraction of what the gentleman that was tweeting at you was worried about. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, whatever that number, $2 million, $3 million, mm-hmm. you know, something in that vicinity. Um, I don't think that's out of the question that we could see him back on the roster next year at something in that area. Not, I'm, that's not a guarantee, but I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. No. Um, it was but you're right. I mean, his... There is a lot that needs to be developed there. There's a lot that needs to be worked on. And I did ask Kenny specifically today. I said, 
how many minutes does a player have to play before you take into consideration advanced statistics? Mm-hmm. Because let's be fair. I mean, Okafor's plus minus is, is terrible. Yeah. Terrible. But they, you know, Kenny, not surprisingly, said, well, it's too small a sample size yet for us to have plus minus as the end all be all and take that much, yeah. uh, take that much into consideration. But whatever that's worth. And I do wonder, so the other big, we have a couple of big rotation questions coming up that need to be answered. Uh, the biggest one is the D'Angelo off the bench, D'Angelo starting. Uh, should he start with Dinwiddie alongside of him? And then what does that do to Alan Crabb? Alan Crabb has had an ascendance of late heading into the All-Star break. Um, where do you see that going? Do you think D'Angelo won? I think Thursday's the first game back. Is D'Angelo starting, in your opinion, or is he still coming off the bench? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think D'Angelo's minutes have been on a steady rise, and his play over the last, what have you, week or so mm-hmm. was on a steady rise going into the All-Star break. Um, so eventually, that wouldn't shock me if they go that way. Um but the way Allen's playing, I mean, I don't see them benching Allen with considering the way he's played over the last four games. Um, now, unless you're talking about benching Damari and trying to play Allen at the three and shoehorning D'Angelo into the into the lineup, that's a possibility. But I, if you're asking me my guess, I would be surprised if that's what happened on Thursday. So then who long-term takes that seat? I mean, I guess not even, like, irrespective of, of, of Thursday. Like, I mean, assuming D'Angelo gets back into the starting lineup at some point, who's going to, is it going to be Damari or is it going to be, I guess it's going to be Dinwiddie, right? I mean, who, who else could possibly take the step down? Well, again, you know, this also depends on, I mean, let's be fair, Dinwiddie was clearly fatigued. Um, yeah down the stretch of the first half. Totally. I mean, there's no way other than look at it. I mean, he's not accustomed to playing that many minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, can he get back to playing the way that he was for the overwhelming majority of the first half of the season? Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, I think you have a little bit of time to make those decisions. I don't think those decisions have to be made. Sure. In Charlotte, at least in terms of starting. Now, in terms of rotation, see, that's the thing. I think the rotation could be changed before the lineup is changed, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, have a- I think you can be giving more minutes to D'Angelo. I think you can be giving more minutes to D'Angelo together with Spencer mm-hmm. than, you, than you, you can do that before you need to make a lineup change. I have a theory that it's not really a Mike's theory. got a big theory. Yeah, that I think D'Angelo needs to start. I mean, he had been playing better, but I think there's some element of he's uncomfortable coming off the bench. It's probably something he's never really done in his career. I mean, I guess his rookie season with the Lakers, he probably had to do it. But Right, his rookie year he did. But for the most part, you're right. He's acknowledged that. He's acknowledged that he's not as comfortable coming off the bench, and it's a big adjustment for him. And there's more pressure actually coming off the bench in that situation, I think. Because I think you come into the game knowing that I have to produce in this, even if they say you're going to play, you know, nine consecutive game minutes, there's still a sense of like, you know, I got to produce in that amount of time. I have to put up my numbers. I have to do the things I want to accomplish on the court. Whereas if you're starting, 
I'd like to see him back starting because it would it would give him more freedom. It would open things up a little bit, I think, in his mind. Because you can see it on the court. You can see him not quite there. Maybe it's because of, he's not there physically. Maybe it's more mental that he's not quite uh, firing all cylinders. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. It just seems like he's a little unsure of himself out there. It got better towards the end, but I, I wonder if by starting he can kind of gain the purpose back that he had on the court before. Right. No, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think in the beginning when he first came back, there was a, a physical limitation uh, in just terms of trusting his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first few games back, if you know, I mean, he didn't even try anything on the court. Uh, the first game where he even tried to do anything was the Nick game, yeah. and it didn't come off for him. And then the very next game, he tried the same things. They did come off for him, and he got whatever he got, 20 points or whatever it was. Um, I think now it's not as much physical as it is just mental. Um, and I, I do agree with you. He's clearly not as comfortable coming off the bench, and he's admitted as such. He's, he's acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an adjustment for him. He doesn't feel, he doesn't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, and yes, I think he probably would play better as a starter. But I think, as Kenny has repeatedly pointed out, you have to earn it. And right now, he happens to be, in essence, playing behind Spencer, who has been better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think eventually he's going to find his way back into the starting lineup. I don't think there's an awful lot of doubt about that. He just has to clean up a lot of issues. Like He has to defend better. He has to stop turning the ball over at <laughs> yeah. an inane rate and committing foolish turnovers and lazy turnovers at the worst possible times. Those are some of the things that he has to correct for him to get back into the starting lineup. And, you know, he's certainly capable of doing that. Well, cutting down the turnovers he is. I, I'm not sure that I'm convinced that he's going to be a capable defender for any long stretch of, time, stretch of time, but we'll see. Are you, um? so I don't know what the trade deadline was a week and a half ago. I don't even remember. I mean, it feels so long ago. Mm-hmm. But yes. yeah, are you surprised that Marks didn't make more moves? You know, we heard Dinwiddie kind of out there. Joe Harris definitely out there. Damari Carroll. Um, are there any trades that you heard were pretty close to being down the pipeline and you thought may have happened? Or and again, are you surprised that more didn't happen at this deadline for the Nets? Uh, I'm not surprised that they held on to Spencer. Uh, even at the risk of losing the low first round pick. I'm, I'm not, or I guess eschewing a low first round pick. I'm not surprised at that because, I mean, they like him and he's under contract, uh, for cheap next year. And even though he may want a bigger contract, the fact of the matter is his contract's going to look very similar next year. So that doesn't shock me. I do have to admit, considering Mark's history, I'm a little surprised that he didn't move Joe Harris. Mm. Um, that one was a little surprising. Again, that's not a recrimination. I'm not saying you had to move him. I mean, Joe Harris playing well. I'm just a little surprised because there was value there. Don't you think, um, though, that was... Do you think that... I think that's an indication that there are ideas that he will be brought back and that he's viewed as not a core piece, but a, a a nice guy to have on your team, and he's going to be re-signed. Do you think that's the yes. indication? I I think that, well, I'm certainly more convinced of that than I was 
two days before the deadline. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yes, I, I would agree. I, I Because he... One thing I haven't seen Mars do is just let, as much as he may hate that word, assets walk out the door for nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That I don't see him doing. So I think he feels at least reasonably comfortable uh, that there's a good chance that Joe would be back. And he has a good relationship with Joe's agent. So I think he has a fair idea what Joe is going to want in free agency, and I think they meeting Joe and Mark Bartleson, I think they have a fair concept of what the Nets' value of Joe is. So, yes, I, I think both sides are probably more comfortable with Joe being back next year than I would have assumed a week before the deadline. Well, and th- then we had Damari out there, and I think there are rumors that, you know, there are the Miami rumors out there, which never really made sense because the Nets weren't going to take on a whole bunch of new money to get rid of Damari. Pacers rumor, too. There's a Pacers rumor out there that maybe an Al Jefferson-type mm-hmm. deal uh, and a first-round pick was in the works. Um, what does De- Why, I guess, why is Damari still on this team? Why, what does he bring that you see that maybe, like, we're not seeing... I mean, we love him on the court, but what is his value to this team um, why he is definitely here still? His value is one of those guys that goes beyond just what he does on the court. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't grasp it when he first got here. I mean, when they first made the deal, uh, and these guys were playing pickup in the summer, we hadn't even gotten to the preseason yet, and they were playing pickup. And I remember asking Kenny about veteran leadership. And I said, you know, you, you've, you've lost some veteran leaders. I said, what? Who do you expect to step up on this team? Uh, and he pointed to Damari Carroll then. Mm-hmm. Now, we hadn't played one second of the preseason. And I was concerned when I heard that. I said, well, they're looking to veteran leadership for a guy who hasn't played one second with the team? All they've done is play pickup? Yeah. But from the instant he got here, that guy is not only looked to from some of the younger players for advice, for guidance. Uh, He was instantly the alpha in the room. Instantly. Um, That's something that goes beyond just the numbers. Now, the numbers aren't bad. Um, I mean, some could argue this. I mean, offensively, some could argue this is a career year for him. So uh, the numbers aren't bad. But I think his contribution beyond just the statistics there's also a conversation me and mike have about like balancing out progress versus being like inveterately terrible and there's not much progress that can be done if you're just having like terrible losses all the time and so having damari uh like having after losing trevor booker and and tyler zeller like those are guys that kind of know their plot in this in this basketball life um and you're replacing a lot of those guys with just projects so um, I think that's probably why they got rid of Rashad Vaughn for Dante Cunningham, who appears to me to be a lot less, or a lot more of like a banger than I realized. Um, or just like a gamer in the yeah. way that like Trevor Booker kind of was. Um, do you, do you think like, are, like what's the story with Dante Cunningham? Are they going to continue to play him a ton of minutes? And, and like, is he just going to be like sort of the, the stopgap for, for that this season? I would be surprised if he doesn't get significant minutes. Yeah. 
uh, in the second. Well, I'm calling it the second half, but whatever. Sure. After after the break, <laughs> um, frankly, because they need him. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. He's not a huge guy. When you see him up close, he's probably a little more lean and angular than you would yeah, expect. Totally. But he's physical. Yeah. He's physical and he's gritty and he's a veteran and he knows how to make veteran plays. In other words, you can have a guy who's athletic and young, but he doesn't know how to use his body. Mm-hmm. This guy knows how to use his hip to get into you as you're trying to drive. This guy knows how to disturb you while you're driving. This guy knows how to hook your arm. Even if he's not getting the rebound, he's making sure you're not getting right. the rebound. Yeah. Uh, these are things that are lost on some of their younger players. Um, and these are things that they can learn by watching him. And these are things that will help them stay, well, either win games or at least stay close in games in the second half of the season. So I would be mildly surprised. Again, this is not knowing when Rondé's going to be back. Mm-hmm. But I would be mildly surprised if he doesn't get, you know, reasonable playing time here in the second half of the season. All right. So one more question, then we'll let you go because we really appreciate your time coming in after the the Kenny Atkinson teleconference. The so Joseph Sai, we're believing that that deal will be finalized soon uh, via your reporting, via reporting from Nets Daily. Um, do we have any sense? I mean, I know Sai has allegedly kind of put out there that he is happy with Atkinson and Marks, what the team is doing. Do we know that to be the case? Do you think this team changes its direction in any appreciable way when Joseph Sy comes in as a co-owner, essentially, with Prokhorov? Well, I mean, outwardly, he certainly has put out there that he's satisfied with direction. Uh, I am not sure exactly how much input or power he'll have immediately when he comes in. Um, probably not as much as he wants or would like, and I think that's part of that may be part of the language. That may be part of why we haven't gotten this thing done yet. I mean, not that I'm in any way implying that it's going to fall apart, but as we've said, it's not completely done yet. Maybe we're at 98% or 99%. Um, I, didn't, I wouldn't expect to see... I don't know. Joe Sy come in and immediately micromanage and demand a change of, you know, one of the assistant coaches or, um, you know, assistant GM, much less the head coach or the GM. I wouldn't expect to see that. No, I, I would. I would expect to see, you know, the progress go forward uh, as planned for the immediate future. I, I wouldn't expect to see him. Be immediately disruptive, if that's what the concern was. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Hope to have you again on sometime. Oh. And uh, we'll, we'll, of course, be reading you in the New York Post. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Hey, Mike. Brian Lewis from the Post. Thank you so much for joining us. That was good. Um, so we'll be back. I mean, the Nets are playing basketball games for the rest of the season, and we'll be here talking about it. We're going to have more podcast guests upcoming. Who? By the way, uh, Vince Carter may get bought out. There, he's a buyout candidate. Do you want him back on the Nets? Want him back on the pod? 
Yeah, well, back on the putt. He's been on so many times in the past. <laughs> Gotta have him again. I, I do think we're. Uh, well, I don't. Wanna, I don't wanna get ahead. My skis here, bro. Uh-huh. We will have at least one former net great on at some point soon. Whoa! Within the next six months. Nice, good tease. That that's the long view D- tease. Is, is Kenny Anderson considered a net former net great? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, so we may have one former net great on. No kidding. Yeah, I think we could get Kenny Anderson. He seems like a nice guy who likes to talk to people on podcasts. Heck yeah. Um, So, you know, follow us at PK Glue Guys. Download us five times every time we have an episode. And each time, five-star rating. Please do. Um, We'll be back at your ears some point within the next week. Netsdaily.com, almightyballer.com. Mike, thank you. Have a great one, folks. Bye. Yeah, boy!